My mom and my grandparents always encouraged me to read. Every time I went to the library, I could check out whatever I want. I have a memory of checking out the book Disclosure by Michael Crichton when I was 10. I remember the story. Yeah. And like I got up to the librarian and the librarian picked up the book and she's like, does your mom or dad know you're reading this? And my mom was right behind me and my mom goes, yes, she does. Like really indignantly. You're listening to First Chapters, a podcast from Grey Cat Books, with your hosts, Engineer Mike and Nina McNamara. Ever wanted to know if the first few pages of a book were good enough to continue reading? Will a book be engaging enough, or will it bore you to death? Then keep listening. The plot thickens. We should introduce ourselves now. Yeah, yes, we should. Who are you? I am Engineer Mike. I'm Nina McNamara. And this is First Chapters. If you uh, didn't read the description of the episode before you started playing it, you and got... if you didn't, thank you for just jumping in to the cold water with both feet. You got very quiet. You got very NPR. I'll do that from time to time when I'm changing mm, modes. Okay. into. Uh... Yes, welcome back to First Chapters. Well, I think I naturally did that when you told us we were on the air. That's, that's what it was. I should do. I don't know if we're on the air. You're facing the microphone this time. Uh, we are on. We are on air. This okay. is live. Yeah, we're doing it live. Yeah, this is live. Yep. Can't can't no, change channel. No, you can't change channel. Okay. This is this is live. Now people will hear it in a, in a post. What do you call it? Um, uh, not live. <laughs> in a recording. Syndication. I in think syndication. is what it's called. Yeah. People people you will hear it. You can't syndicate a podcast. Yeah, I'm, yes, I do. Of course, we syndicate. You can't sit. No, syndication, syndication means that other newspapers or other media platforms buy it with yeah. the, the idea of licensing yeah, this behind is it? syndicated to a lot of different platforms not okay, just but, ours. okay yeah. there's no licensing involved no but... they don't pay a shit but you know it's it's out there it's you know you can get this on amazon podcast or whatever the fuck google is calling your podcast player today i don't know podcast moving player. on <laughs> so, what do we do on this podcast we read right. the first few chapters well, i read the first few chapters and i determine whether it hooks the reader <laughs> I was about to say, because you hate reading it. <laughs> How dare you? I just got done explaining. I know, I know. It's a joke. That literally was a joke. Thank you. Yeah, I do you not hate reading. No. I love just, reading. I do love reading. I don't necessarily like what you give me to read. Well, that's the point is that these books are not what you'd normally pick up This is true. Shelf. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the whole point of this podcast, that these books, you normally wouldn't pick these yes. off the shelf anyway. Uh, that's why I'm suggesting them to see and to get your, your opinion about them, because it is very entertaining. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I I do want to talk about the book that you've oh, given yes, me to talk we'll about. We'll get into this book. This is yeah. uh, one of my favorite books, if not probably my favorite book of the past 20 years. I, in my adult reading life, since I've started mm-hmm. to, you know, read books as an adult, I don't reread books ever. Rereading a book is time I could be spent reading another book. So I, I mm-hmm. even books I love, I don't really reread. This book, I've read three times. That's really interesting because you've got very good recall for most of these books that we visit. Yeah, which is weird because I usually think of myself as having terrible memory, but I can remember everything about these books for the most part. And I think it's something to do about a book. I think it's if I read an entire book about something all the way one into the other, some of it's going to sink in. I have I to read something, yeah. whether it's a book or an article or anything, I have to read it at least twice to get that memory because the first time the first yeah. time i'm thinking too much about it the mm. second time is when things start really settling yeah. in but anyway speaking and of reading yeah, speaking of reading we usually talk on this podcast about what we're reading right now mm-hmm. just a real quick quick two minute update about what we're reading right now you know what i'm reading what nina's reading so what i'm reading this week is i'm actually reading a series of novels i'm on the sixth one right now brag uh, <laughs> of a series of books called the murder bot 
novels or the Murderbot mm-hmm. series. Okay. And it is, I believe, either the 2022 or 2021 Hugo Award winner was a book called Network Effect. I saw this book on the list of Hugo Award winners for that year, and I was like, that's interesting because it lists in the title, it's like book five. That's weird. Did books one through four win? And I don't think they won as a novel. One of them may have won as like a novelette or something like that. But it was it was like book five of the series. Who's won. the author? The author is Martha Wells, another good up and coming writer over the past decade or so. I think looking at her history, she's written a lot of uh, stuff that wasn't exactly science fiction. This may have been her first foray into science fiction. Definitely her first major one. I don't want to say it's similar to a book we talked about recently, Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie. This is similar in that the main character of the Murderbot Diaries is a artificial intelligence. But while the artificial intelligence in Anne Leckie's book, Ancillary Justice, was kind of like a kind of godlike presence where mm-hmm. it's, it's superior to humans, knows it is, that kind of thing. The intelligence in the Murderbot Diaries is an artificial intelligence made by a company that didn't really give a shit. And kind of yeah. made a crappy quick thing to like fill a, fill a niche in a market that they could sell. And the AI is kind of aware of that. And it exists It exists actually in a physical body because it's kind of sold as like a security companion for your away missions on your planetary trips. That kind of thing. And it's like, the company made me very crappily, you know, my, my, my code is garbage. They give me like uh, briefings before we go down to a planet. I don't really read them, you know, it doesn't really matter. My job is just making sure humans don't kill themselves in stupid creative ways. <laughs> And the books have this feel to them where the main character is very much a wisecracker, a wisecracking individual, Mm -hmm. but one that has trouble communicating with humans, but has like a very rich internal monologue, if you know Mm -hmm. what I mean. Oh, yeah. And it's just very, very fun to read. They are fun, 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 fun books. I'm on the sixth one now. They're so much fun. We'll probably read one of them here on this podcast, definitely. That does sound interesting. I, I, I am interested. We might have to it Definitely. Check that like, out. like I say, it's, a, it's another female author. I love reading books by people who don't look like me because they're interesting and they think of things that I have not thought of myself mm-hmm. before. I truly enjoy that. Well, speaking of female authors, I yeah. cannot wait to talk about this book that oh, I'm reading yes. right now. I think okay. I know what this is. Yeah. So one of my favorite books in the past couple of years has been My Year of Rest and Relaxation ah, by I... Otessa Moshfei. And I... Ah. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her last name correctly. Yeah. Give me the benefit of the doubt. I am trying. But we're we're reading it correctly. We're reading it correctly. Yeah. Yeah. The trailer for the movie Eileen just dropped a couple of days ago. And that is based on, I believe it is her first novel. I think so. Yeah. Looking at her. Looking at her. Um, So I decided, well, no, I want to, I want to read that book before the movie comes out, which is supposed to come out late December. Mm. Ooh. Oscar bait, bait, very noir feeling. Mm -hmm. So I went ahead and I bought it and I'm reading it now. It is chilling. I have heard that. I read, I wanted to read it. It's on my list of books to read too. I also read my Let Your Rest of Relaxation. Really loved it. I saw that. All the reviews for this book, Eileen, is like, it's a, what do you call it? Like a a book that hits you. It is a challenging book, a chilling book. Oh yeah. So what I love about uh, Otessa Moshfei is her ability to write really unlikable female protagonists. I feel like the criticisms that I've been reading online from fans of hers, or at least 
uh, critics of hers have been they don't like her writing because they don't like her they don't like her her main characters they don't like her protagonists and they're they don't like her protagonists because <laughs> they're unlikable I think that's unfair. I think have it's they, unfair. Have they read the Bible? I know. <laughs> have they read anything? Yeah. I don't mean to make this all about me, but as someone who just published a book where the protagonist is extremely unlikable, spoiler alert, no. female characters are allowed to be unlikable. And uh, Eileen is no exception. Like, And again, I'm going to compare this to another author that I've talked about on this podcast before, Brett Easton Ellis. American Psycho, the character of Eileen is kind of in the same vein. Interesting. She's written very angrily. Like mm -hmm. she's an angry person. She even says, I'm angry. I'm mm -hmm. just filled with anger and I have really no outlet for that. Mm. And she's also gross. Like she is Interesting. like yeah. physically disgusting. Yeah. She does disgusting, gross things. I was telling you before we recorded this, there's a scene. Well, there's a couple of scenes. No spoilers. No, I don't want to spoil it. Unless I'm just going to say I, it's it's in the first chapter oh, okay. involving laxatives. Okay, laxatives. And it is it is really, really disgusting. And Now, I've read scenes in books involving um, shit. Yeah. Yeah, it comes up. It comes out. And it comes out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's unfair to say, oh, well, female protagonists shouldn't be disgusting. Female protagonists shouldn't do bad things and be gross when male protagonists do the exact mm. same goddamn thing. I'm, Women can be pieces of shit, too, is what you're trying to say. They can. Yeah. I mean, they're fucking I fictional. don't agree. I don't agree, because I am an ally. <laughs> they're fictional characters, for God's sakes. They can be whatever you want them I'm to be. I'm a fictional ally. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> oh. uh, <laughs> But anyway, Eileen by Otesha Moshfe. I'm thoroughly enjoying this book. It's really hard to go to bed after reading oh, this. Huh? Um, just yeah. because I want to continue reading it. Oh, That's okay. All. Yeah. I thought it was because it was like scary. It's not scary. Yeah. It, it's intense. You use the same technique I have when I, I'll read two books at once. The book that I cannot I, read two the, books at once. Oh, it's because it'll be a book that I don't want to go to sleep thinking about. And so I'll have like a much lighter yeah, book after it. So you I'll have a read, bedtime book. Yeah, basically I'll have a sleepy I'll have, time book. Well, they'll, they'll both be sleepy time books, but I'll read one for like an hour and then I'll switch over to the other book. I can fall asleep reading. I don't so, have this problem. No, because I know it's fiction. It's not real. <sighs> well. Should we talk about this book that you Yes, we should. Today's book is a book called Accelerando by a writer called Charles Strauss, who... Your uh, best is, friend, Charlie Strauss. I mean, Strauss. I wouldn't say... No, he's not my best friend. I've, ta <laughs> I've talked... Yes, I have talked to the man before. He's go he goes by Charlie Strauss today. Let's talk about how you talk to Charlie oh, Strauss. Oh, if you want to. Yeah, I know him on Mastodon. He is a uh, refugee from the social network formerly called Twitter. Very interesting individual. Scottish, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And he writes... I think a combination of novels that are sometimes science fiction, sometimes fantasy. I've only ever actually read one book by him mm -hmm. but like i said before earlier it is probably my most favorite novel of the past 20 years I've read it three times charles mm -hmm. strauss though as i now know from talking to the man uh, personally on on macedon does not like this book and hasn't gone so far as to disown it but he said it does not reflect the person he is anymore and yeah and that that happens definitely yeah. yeah and there's i'm trying to think of another example of writers who that's happened to i couldn't really think of well, stephen I'm, king well see here's the thing is stephen king all his earlier novels they're still him he does not like pet cemetery i'm saying that's one novel, anything he's written you know, where he but it's still a stephen binge. but it was still but here's the thing stephen king doesn't like pet cemetery but we can look at pet cemetery and still go that's a stephen king novel right mm -hmm. it reflects the things he writes in a story maybe he doesn't like it because of the place he was when he wrote it but it's still a novel he would stand by as, yeah, that's one of my novels, right? 
Sure. Real quick, sure. two observances I made just a page into this book. One, someone's read a lot of Dick. Philip K. Dick? Philip K. Dick. Um, and and yeah, anyway, yeah. the other one was, did I write this book? Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. And, I would like uh, to know why you felt that. It, just, it felt very Icarus to me. Huh, yeah. Interesting. It had a very. It was of the time. And we'll talk about this a little uh-huh. bit oh, more. Oh yeah, yeah. Because this book was written twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. It was very of the time. Very cyber techie. Early two thousands. Yeah. Matrix kind of. Yeah. Stuff. Put a pin in that. We should change the title of this podcast to "Put a Pin in That." Oh, with that, Nina that would Mac be Mark. every single podcast by I know. every single person who ever made a podcast. But anyway, go ahead, please. Yeah. Continue but anyway, the, the history of this book. This book was for written about twenty years ago. During the the kind of call it the early stages of you know Web 2.0, the internet had just become a thing in the mid 90s. Kind of had a crash around the turn of the century, and then we started building things on the internet again. And in those early 2000s, it seemed like truly the internet was going to be capable of anything. Mm-hmm. Not not you know not in the 90s where they were like, if you look at old newscasts about the internet in the 90s, they are just adorably wrong about everything. In the early 2000s, we had gone through the internet crash. We really kind of had a hold on the hardware and software and what the technology was capable of. And we were starting to build some very interesting things with it. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the first things we could start doing in the 2000s was everything being connected to everything at all times. Bandwidth. Huh? Yeah, I can see you read the book. <laughs> yes, yeah. The biggest thing in the early 2000s to any single nerd was how much bandwidth did you have? And that was the big deal. Because going from the 90s, where nobody had any bandwidth, we all used modems, everything was a crawl. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the 2000s, you could truly start using the internet very fast. And I mean, not much slower than we do today. The internet speed, the way we use the internet has not changed much in the past 20 years. I feel so, like, we're talking about feeling middle-aged. I feel even more middle-aged having this conversation. I don't, I don't, like, we shouldn't, no. This how is, long ago was this? I literally am telling you that nothing has changed in the past 20 years. The things we can do with the internet today are the same neat shit we were doing with it 20 years ago. Oh, it hasn't God. changed at all. That's depressing. But but Accelerando, a, a book that Charles Strauss uh, wrote during this time, I remember getting this EPUB in the mid-2000s. It was free. I do not remember paying for it. Uh, anybody, mm-hmm. anybody who went through that time remembers around about 2005, 2007 or so, there was kind of this thing that everybody was doing where it was like, hey, I'm not going to charge for my stuff anymore. Like the band Radiohead, an album they released for free. In Rainbows. Uh, in Rainbows. Nine Inch Nails' Trent Reznor was doing the same thing. A lot of writers were doing the same things with their books. They were like, hey, this book... Because they were, they were, like I said, they were using the technology of the internet truly for the first time when they realized, I can write a book and anybody in the entire world can read it. Well, I'm not going to charge them for that. I just want to see them read my book. So yeah. there were books like Accelerando that Charles Strauss wrote. Cory Doctorow is another writer that wrote a ton of novels during this time, and all of them were free. If, if you wanted to buy them hard copy, you could buy them. Mm-hmm. But if you wanted to get them electronically, they were just free. Yeah. He, he did not care. He yeah. was like, just read the book, talk about it. Do some cool stuff with the knowledge you learn from that. That's it. So I read this book at the time, and this book was, I don't want to pick like too, too cringy here. It was life-changing. This book was yeah. to me. This book, Accelerando, paints a picture of a future. And it's a future that starts in our and starts in the kind of the present day, like a little bit, a little bit like four or five years post the time that the author wrote it in 2005. So like say about it starts around 2011, 2012, and it goes on to like the next hundred years of human advancement. Mm-hmm. And it paints a quasi optimistic picture 
of where we could go as a species. I have a theory that a lot of very important tech people of the past 20 years also read this book and have tried to basically make this future happen. And I'm going to I'm going to name names like Elon Musk. I'm going to name names like Jeff Bezos here. <laughs> I'm going to name names like Larry and Sergey, the guys who made Google. Yeah. They wrote they read this book and I do believe they treat it as a kind of bible. The book it was nominated for like the Hugo and Nebula. Mm-hmm. It didn't win, but it was nominated, which is an honor. Even it's an honor to even be nominated. You know, sure. Uh, it did win the Locus Award. Doesn't matter. Who cares? The Locus <laughs> Award. It's still a good book, even though it won the Locus Award. All right. <laughs> yeah, I have read it three times. I could read it again. This is such a neat book. This book, you know, like I used this term before, it goes places. It really, really does. It, it's kind of a series of six novellas you know, or six yeah. smaller. They're all stories with the same characters, but skipped apart by like 10 years, 20 years, that kind of thing. You follow the same characters throughout throughout the whole novel. And each story that happens, humanity has taken another quantum leap into new technology. And it's just so, 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 so neat. So let's get into it. Sure. I read the first chapter. Okay, you read the first chapter. The first chapter. Was it a long chapter or pretty long? It was... Longish? It was longish. I I don't remember the exact length of it, but I I read it to completion. Okay, good, good. And I have thoughts. Okay, good. I'm Um, sure you would about that. Yes. But probably both about the writing style and the subject matter. Yes, yes and yes. (laughs) Okay, so let's let's get into it. All right. Okay. What were your first impressions? My again. Like you say, first or second page. Okay, so let's let's talk about the techno jargon. Like (laughs) I. It is all techno jargon. <laughs> it is all techno jargon. Um, so first, okay. I'm gonna be all over the, that, with that's this. Fun. It is just techno jargon after techno jargon after techno jargon. So the main character's name is Manfred Mac X or yeah. Mac Ten. I think, I think it could be Polish, maybe. Max. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a Polish name. So yeah. I, of course, the first thing I think of again because I'm a thousand years old is Manfred Man, the band that sang "Blinded by the Light." Blinded oh. by the light. Yep. I didn't know that. I yeah. Know. Well, anyway, so that every time I saw his name, I was thinking oh, that, about that song. That, that doesn't help things. I know. So it distracted me. Again, like I mentioned earlier, it's very of its time. It's very mid 2000s. Yeah, early the, mid 2000s. Yeah. So, so much techno jargon. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, like, the, the word bandwidth keeps Probably getting comes repeated. Up 37 yeah. times over two pages. Yeah. Uh, so, bandwidth, uh, supermarket phones is brought up a couple of times without, you know, so much mm-hmm. bandwidth on them. Yep. Capitalist semiotics, I think it was. <laughs> Capitalist semiotics. One second, I have to yeah. look up what the hell semiotics. Billion node neural network that came up. Yeah. Uh, See, that, that's the thing I was talking about in the early 2000s. We started thinking about large-scale shit with the internet. Yeah, I'm going to read a small excerpt from this. Russia had been back under the thumb of the apparatchiks. For 15 years now, its brief flirtation with anarcho-capitalism replaced by Brezhnevite dirigism and Putinesque Puritanism, and it's no surprise that the wall's crumbling. Like, And, and he predicted that accurately. Yeah. By the way, early 2000s, Russia was like turning into a cool place, and the thing he described in this book, it is that today. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's A lot of this looks like a Mad Libs of early aughts techno-cyberbunk dystopia fiction futurism so the the first couple of pages i'm like what is going on like this is just a bunch of oh, words yeah. being no you were, you were let me guess you were probably absolutely lost i was the, yeah, the first few pages Your, first yeah. few pages yeah. and i'm like okay what is he doing he's setting us up for something but then there's a shift 
Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. there's ah, a shift okay. and then it focuses on character. Yes. And yes. we need to talk about Manfred. Mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know how much you've gotten in the story. Manfred is an interesting character. Well, I've gotten through the first chapter, so okay. I know a lot oh. about him. Well, I meant I don't know like what happens at the end of that first chapter. Well, let's talk sure. about the okay. entire yeah. first chapter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, what did you so learn about Manfred. Well, who is he? Um he's a quote venture altruist. Mhm. Venture altruist. <laughs> All right. Okay, he does things for corporations. Mhm. Or private companies, not for the government. That's important to know. Mm-hmm. Um, but rather than take payment for anything, he's like some hacker. I, I don't yeah. really know what that that was. But rather than take payment for it, he does it in exchange for living well. So rather than say accept large sums of money, he says, "Okay, pay my bills." Yeah, because he sees money as a form of poverty. Yes, does not care about money. Yes. Put a, put a pin in that when it comes to today's yeah. Elon Musk. Too. He's an ideas guy for millionaires. So he comes up with these brilliant ideas and then gives them away for free. That's important for the plot. The whole giving know, them away. He knows he can come up with new ideas. And he's also someone who never has to pay for anything vis-a-vis that whole receiving payment for his living expenses. Mm-hmm. I do want to mention this trope of the male protagonist who he's lazy, he's unmotivated, kind of unemployed. He's not yeah. concerned with money. He somehow gets a lot of tail, but he's a tech genius. But in different ways. And the governments yeah. are clamoring to pay him a lot of money to do some sketchy quote unquote hack mm-hmm. for them. And I call this trope the Neo. Because, you know, you mentioned kind of, The Matrix yeah. earlier. And yeah. I was like, yeah, there's, that's... There's definitely some of that. Yeah. There. And it makes me think of Case from... Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Of course. And I'm sure Charles Strauss writing this knew that it was going to be compared to Neuromancer. Of course. It's very much like that. Now, yeah. now Case is, in the story of Neuromancer, more actual person in poverty. Yes. Case was, you know, yeah. And I, I don't want to say that he's cribbing from William Gibson or Philip K. Dick. These are two very influential authors. Yeah. And if you've written science fiction, you're doing a disservice to yourself to deny the fact that you've been influenced by them. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't, well, then you're lying. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know? no I'm, I'm sure it's there. Yeah, exactly. It's def- it's so I'm, I think that's fine. It's, it's okay to say that, yeah, these novelists have been a great influence in my life. He also has a fiancé. Mm-hmm. Or an ex-fiance. Yep, her name they're is, not together. Well, they're entangled. Oh, is there the they're sex en- scene in the first chapter? Oh my god! Oh, I, oh, I forgot about that. Oh, oh my, my god. god! You did not pre- you did not prepare me for the I'm worst sorry. sex scene. Okay, well, look. it's a very future sex. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot about that. Okay, look, I read <laughs> I read the sex in Samuel R. Delaney. I was not prepared for the sex scene in this novel. That is a very interesting thing. The sex scene in the first chapter of this book might be weirder. Actually, I take that back. Is a lot weirder than a Samuel R. Delaney book. That is true. We need to go back for a second and explain what we're talking about. (laughs) Oh my God. Because Pamela, his fiance or ex-fiance. Ex-fiance. Is a dominatrix because, of course, this is a future novel written by a man. No offense to Charlie Strauss. (laughs) But there has to be a female dominatrix in there somewhere. <laughs> there was in the Matrix and there is in this as well. Yes. Yep. Now, Pamela is, int- well, I'm not going to say this is interesting, but this is tropey because, well, no, it's not even tropey. She's unique in that she is a pro-natalist. Pro-natalist. Yes. She is very, very pro having children. Yes. Because yes. she believes that having children will wipe out the debt, the national debt. And I'm like... Yeah, it's a theory okay. of economics. It's, it's a conservative, capital C... Yes, yeah. ...theory of wiping out the national yes, debt. Like, yeah. she does not want to actually have sex with him. Yes. 
unless it is to procreate. Mm -hmm. And there's a debate with him in chapter one where she says, she kind of takes him to test. She's like, you want to have sex, but you don't want to deal with the consequences afterward. And I was like, okay, that's interesting. I'm not sure about yeah. if I agree, but I can I can kind of see that argument. And then later on, I'm, I'm jumping ahead in the plot, by the way. A little bit of that is tying into the character of Manfred. It happens throughout mm -hmm. the book, being taken to task for doing things in the world, whether it's, you know, quote unquote, having sex, like mm -hmm. Pamela brings up to him, or creating these ideas and letting them go free without being concerned with what happens to the world Correct. after that. Whether yeah. it's a child or this like code he makes, he's totally unconcerned with any negative things that may happen. Yeah, and I mean, here's my antinatalism coming by, and sorry if, if that offends you. Antinatalist. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have children, don't want to have children, will not have children. Well, yeah, I agree with you, but I'm on the opposite side of the coin. I'm like, yeah, you don't want to deal with the consequences thereof. Make sure you don't have children then. Yeah, you think in the future you'd have like some fucking future contraceptives or something. I yeah, what's your it. future yeah. contraceptives yeah. like? But anyway, that's not... Su a super condom. That's, that's... Tech, a tech condom. There you go, a yeah. tech condom yeah <laughs> one that like is spiny and it like gets all or just or just one that's oh like, no that's painful there, to you know, those yeah. with the uh, uteruses no let's let's not do that so i'm jumping forward in the plot because we do okay. want to talk about the plot but this is really really fucked up yeah. she essentially rapes him you know like this is this is a rape scene like i was not ready for I this because it comes out of nowhere this is very true and i do think it is a rape scene in that I do not know if he vocally and enthusiastically gives consent. No, he that, does not. That is true. She subdues him. She subdues him. Like physically Dominatrix and like... Dominatrix style, Like but without neurologically his too. Oh, like that's he's, yes. he's hooked into some cybernetic bullshit. It's horrifying. Bullshit. It kind yeah. of is a bit horrifying what yeah. happens to the character in this situation. And she's yeah. like, now you can't move and now you're, you're going to know what it feels like to be a, not a quadriplegic, but like a pentaplegic. I can't remember the word she uses. Yeah, basically lock in. Yeah, yeah, you ha have yeah. lock Because she, she puts sensory inhibiting devices yeah. on his hands. His it's horrifying. Feet. I'm not going to describe the yeah, whole it's, scene it's, for it's everyone listening. Yeah. Yeah. And essentially says, you're going to give me a baby and I'm going to yeah. wipe out the national debt because yeah. it, it's really fucked up. I, I really don't follow. <laughs> I can see why Mr. Charles Strauss may have distanced himself from this novel. Yes. <laughs> and then it happens. And I, I'm, yeah. oh, I'm yeah. just like, yeah. what the fuck did I just read? Yeah. So no, I did not care for that. And that's how the chapter ends, by the way. Oh, okay. Shit. Well, all right. Damn, I wish you would have read the second one because you find out more things about Manfred in the second chapter. Ah, well, yeah. anyway, so let's let's go back a little okay, bit. Okay, all right. <laughs> now, this is what I didn't understand. Okay. The little mystery of the first chapter, the little mm -hmm. uh, mini mystery is who is sending him. Yes. And this is unpleasant sounding, but someone is sending him dead kittens. Yes. And it's not very graphic in the book, but it's a little unpleasant to read. It somehow tied into... <laughs> Cyber gene uh, Okay, I did not understand what this no, was. No, the techno jargon comes at you in yes. this novel 70 miles an hour yeah. and never stops hitting you in the face. No. From what I Which is why I love it. From what I understand, these kittens and then these lobsters yes. that come at it, they're being used to do AI autopiloting? What? Okay, what, what is going on in the novel? And it here, is, okay, now with yeah. lobsters, I'm doing my best Jordan yeah. Peterson impression yes, to yeah. say that lobsters are not an effective <laughs> means of generative AI. What is happening in the world is that at this point in this world, humanity's first efforts at simulating neural networks of brains is starting to happen. Yeah. And you would not start with a human to do that. You would start with a simpler creature, like a lobster, for instance. You would start with something with way less neurons than we have, simulating those neurons and then trying to replicate basically a lobster in cyberspace. And then they move up to cats. 
This is what they're doing. You know, it's a I don't, big jump from lobsters to cats. Uh, it is a jump, yeah. So you can see that somebody's technology has improved. Now, they're not at the levels of humans yet, but somebody, you know, if it helps at all, the cats and lobsters aren't being killed. They are being replicated and they become basically cyberspace denizens. I, uh, okay. <laughs> like I didn't I said, get that at all. You can see why I love this shit. I eat yeah. this shit up. Okay, so one of the... So that's what's going on. So one of the phrases that they use in this book, and I want to know if it's any way connected to sure. the website, is the term slash dotting. Yeah, slash dotting was a term in, you know, around about the mid-2000s. It was an early term for what we call going viral today. Yeah. It was basically going viral is what he talks about. The slash dot was kind of a news aggregator site that 20 years ago, 20 or even a little bit more than that, if you got posted on there, mm -hmm. you suddenly everybody in the world was looking at your shit in the tech world and it could like bring your site down too because nobody's nobody's website was set up to handle that much traffic back then yeah the section of this novel that i read is dense <laughs> it's really not <laughs> oh okay i don't think it's dense i oh, think it's pretty right. simple i just think there's a layer of techno babble yeah the techno babble is not explained yeah, and but there's a lot that's going on. So there's a discussion of animal rights. Yes, oh yeah. There's Very a discussion so. of... And I will tell you, animal rights, big part of the book. Mm -hmm. In that one of the main kind of antagonists is a cat. Really? One of these cats that gets digitized that comes a bit of a, a singularity moment itself and gets more and more and more intelligent mm -hmm. and is a major antagonist throughout the book. Both a protagonist and an antagonist. Yeah. Well, well, I don't know what kind of character you'd call that in the world of, of literature, but it's like a character who is sometimes on your side, is sometimes not on your side. But So there are themes that you can identify in just the first chapter. So the themes of animal rights, mm -hmm. the themes of, you know, socioeconomics, the themes of anti and pronatalism, mm -hmm. and also what's going on with Russia. Mm -hmm. There's someone trying to defect. Someone's calling up and saying, like, yep. I'm trying to defect. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. And the idea of this altruism that Manfred is allegedly yeah. so... Supposed to be so altruistic. Yeah. He's a huge hypocrite, is what mm -hmm. he is. He's supposed to be somebody who's so not capitalist. They don't even care about money. But then they don't live like that at all, really, yeah. do they? No, they do not care about the world they live in at all. No. And I think throwing a whole bunch of stuff like that in the first chapter and it's easily identifiable, oh, nice. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that's extremely shrewd writing. Oh, good. And good. I think that being able to identify all of these personality traits within your main character, mm -hmm. like, again, really good writing. I did not like the rape scene. I did not like... No, it's that's some shit to have in your first chapter. That I, is. I will that's say. A that, lot, that's, a, that's a lot to build up to. I mean, when you when you make a, a sex scene more extreme than anything I've read in a Samuel R. Delaney book, and that's something. That's a huge win, I suppose. That's a, <laughs> that's a W. It is a very technological sex scene. That, that is true. Yes. <laughs> and again, it's of its time. I'm not going to shit on Mr. Strauss for no. the the way like it's say, written. To his credit, he has distanced himself from this novel. The man told me that himself. Right. And I don't think authors should feel embarrassed about past works. You can say, hey, he look. Did not, he did not seem embarrassed by it. No, he didn't? Just, okay. Just that he distanced himself. And He's, that's fine. Yeah. yeah that's, he, said, it's, he said it does not reflect me today. And that's perfectly fine. Good. You can write things and move on from who you were as a person or who you were as an author and grow. Say 10 years from now, I'll look back on my previous works and, and go, you know what, I'm, I'm totally not the same person. I'm completely different. And even my writing style has changed. Mm. Authors are totally within their means yes. of, of doing so. Definitely. Like that. Especially when they can keep writing novels. And like Charles Strauss has written a ton of other books. Mm -hmm. I, I haven't yeah. read them, but he's written a ton of other stuff, including a, a one series of novels called, I think it was The Laundry Files, which I do believe is, is more popular. So go ahead, ask me your questions. Sure. My questions are, 
My first question is, would your opinion of Manfred change if you learn in the second chapter that he is also a crossdresser? No. Oh, okay. I, I, was, I was wondering. That, that's, that, that was Here's a very, the thing. No, yeah. like Manfred is such a, um, a male character for its yes. time. Like there's something about gender politics in mm-hmm. the first chapter. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's, that's actually pretty forward thinking, even for 2005, whenever yeah. this was published. Mm-hmm. And then like immediately at the next page, I was like, oh God, Jesus, this, this shit again. No, my, my well, opinion wouldn't change. You are correct in that he is a, he's not a good guy. He's not a great guy. Like right. all throughout the novel you learn that he is a very selfish person, Manfred is. We have names for these kind of things today, but he has a lot of trouble feeling a tremendous amount of empathy for people around him. Mm-hmm. That that kind of thing. And I don't even think that's what I don't like about this character. I truly think it is just the sheer amount of mid-aughts techno jargon that I can't get through. <laughs> there is a, oh, there is a lot. Yeah. I, I have nearly suggested this book to someone who they wanted to kind of read like a, a retro novel, but not 60s, 70s golden era stuff, but yeah. retro to them, which would be something like Turn of the Century. If it's who I think it is, I totally would recommend this. Oh, one. I de- definitely have because it's, it's yeah. Turn of the Century techno stuff that is very, very, very of yeah. its time. And like I say, it comes at you a mile a minute mm-hmm. in this book. Okay, so first question is, do you think it works as a first chapter? I do think it works oh, as good. a first chapter. Great. Yeah. Well written. It establishes yeah. plot, character. Yep. And besides the techno jargon, you know what's going on. Yeah. Or despite the techno jargon. Despite you know the... Ch- yeah. I mean, again, what exactly is happening? Like what you were explaining to me about the lobsters. Oh, you that up. I couldn't yeah. figure that yeah. out. But I understood what themes were happening and could kind of follow along with that. Mm. As far as the hard science fiction-y uh-huh. stuff, no, I had yeah, no idea. No. Like I was telling just another author in our life today who's wanting some advice about writing a book, I do not believe one should over-explain techno jargon. God, books. no. You should not be sitting there Ayn Rand style having a character literally give a presentation to people. If you're doing that, you're doing, talk. you're doing the wrong thing in your book. Stop. No. Just stop. Cut that scene. Just let uh, it be color for the book. It's techno it's, stuff. It's science. It works. It's a book. We're no you know? longer giving TED Talks. We're now yeah. subscribing to Substacks. So. There we go. All right. Oh, God. <laughs> that's of our time. I know. If, if you're listening to this 20 years in the future, wanting to learn about this book, if you don't know what Substack is anymore, that's good. Yes. You live in a better world, hopefully. <laughs> Unless you're listening to this on an old recorder you found in a cave somewhere where you live after the end of the world, in which case you do not live in a better world. I apologize for what we did to the world. Anyway. I'll be dead. So. <laughs> that got dark. So, second question. Would you read more? I wouldn't read more of this book, but ah. I'm interested in reading more of Charles Strauss's so other books. I. So yeah. I. Yes, I would like to read other of his novels too, because yeah. I like this book so much. Typically... If there's a, a book I love from an author, I will like their other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Like, he is clearly a good writer. I just don't care for this book. Yeah, that's okay. He himself <laughs> does not care for it. Yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway, I do believe this book is used by certain people as like a how to make the future happen kind of thing. Whether it's the mind replication stuff in cyberspace. Google started putting a ton of money into that after this book came out. There's a lot of stuff about the space program. Mm-hmm. In this book about going to space and near Earth orbit and, and colonizing the planets and shit like that, or at least, you know, the orbits around them, that right after this book came out, Elon Musk started his stuff down in the South Pacific where he was launching rockets with his brother. He also started rutting a lot and making children, so clearly. Uh, yes, he did. You know, there you go. Yes. <laughs> that, that's very true. Yep. That also started happening with mm-hmm. Elon. Thank you. Shortly after this book came out. Thank uh, you very much. Please subscribe uh, to my Substack. Oh, God. Help us all. All right. Uh, we, we should end this. All right. And you know what? We've got a new way how we're going to end all of our podcasts from here on. We're going to go, it is finished.
I finished. Bye. No. Thanks for listening to First Chapters, a podcast from Grey Cat Books. Your hosts were Nina McNamara and Engineer Mike. Our music was provided by Alex Productions and Virtua Jams. Check out our website at greycatbooks.com for links to our credits. Thanks again for listening. They can be whatever you want them to be. I'm a fictional ally. (laughs) Well, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Aww.